Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the 41st chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at verse 8 and continuing through verse 13. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you, whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Here ends this reading from God's Holy Word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew. In the 14th chapter, beginning verse 22, and continuing through verse 33, again I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea, but when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The events related in this morning's Gospel reading, they take place right on the heels of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. After the leftovers of the loaves and the fishes were collected, Jesus instructed his disciples 
to head off in their boat across the Sea of Galilee while he took care of a little business. First, he dismissed the multitudes who had been fed, and then he took time for himself and for the Father. He escaped to a lofty height alone, and there he prayed. And when he finished, Jesus made his way to rendezvous with his disciples. It was now early in the hours of a new day, and the boat still hadn't made it to the other side of the lake. It seemed they were facing a stiff headwind, and the going was quite slow. But this allowed Jesus to catch up with him. That, and the fact that Jesus took a shortcut. Rather than go all the way around the lake shore, Jim, Jesus simply walked the shortest distance between two points, a straight line. Well, as this route took him right across the Sea of Galilee, the disciples were, to put it mildly, surprised to see him approaching. Now, supposing that that was a moonlit night, they may have been able to make out his figure at a distance of, oh, perhaps 20 yards or so, but when they did, what they saw simply didn't compute. They reckoned that it must be a ghost, and that thought shook them. I imagine it would have shaken any of us seeing a figure approaching on the surface of the waves. And Jesus knew that he had startled them, and he tried offering them some reassurance, dispelling the notion that what they were seeing was any sort of threat to them. Fear not, for it is I, he says, or in the Greek in which this account was originally written, it was put this way, I am. I am. Again, that mysterious yet distinctive phrase of divine identity, the same words in another language which Moses had heard at the burning bush. Jesus makes this provocative claim, I am, throughout the Gospels, so as to leave no doubt whatsoever his identity for the benefit of those who had ears to hear him. Now Peter was among those who heard him, and it was Peter who immediately tests the validity of his claim. Now, you might think that by this time, after all that he and the rest of the disciples had seen and heard hanging around with Jesus as they had, that Peter would have been a little less skeptical, but alas, he isn't. He challenges Jesus to prove he is who he claims to be with an on-demand miracle of Peter's own choosing. Enable me to do that voodoo that you do, Jesus. And miraculously, he does. Peter exits the boat and heads for Jesus, walking on the water. Everything is fine until Peter took his eyes off Jesus and allowed himself to be distracted, distracted by the strong winds that surrounded him. It was then that he began to sink and needed Jesus to reach out and save him. 
So, what lessons can we learn from this text? That if he had stayed in the boat, Peter would not have nearly drowned? Well, while accurate, I don't think that's quite the point of the story. How about that Peter, while perhaps an accomplished seaman, was not such an accomplished swimmer? Well, that may also be true, but again, I don't really think that's at the heart of this text. When Jesus began recruiting the disciples to follow him, many of them included, including our intrepid Peter, had made their livings as fishermen. But, as Jesus called them, he did so with a rather cryptic promise that they would become fishers of men. Now, of course, they didn't fully understand what Jesus was talking about at the outset of their time as his students, and they may well not have had much better grasp when they were once again all together aboard this boat on the Sea of Galilee on a windy night with Jesus approaching across the waves. But as they were learning, being in the inner circle of Jesus' ministry, was that in order to be effective fishers of men, they were going to have to leave their boats in much the same fashion that they had when they were first called. And I believe that even those who came after would have been taught the same lesson. In fact, I believe that even right up to the present. Those who have taken up Jesus' invitation to follow him and, and learn to become fishers of men, that they, that we, too, need to be willing to leave our boats. In other words, as the 20th century German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Stark, perhaps, but not untrue. Christian history is full of dramatic examples. In the years immediately following the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, a Pharisee named Saul became an unlikely convert to the way, as it was then known. Up to that point, he had made for himself a pretty successful career in and was comfortably ensconced in his boat. Then, along came Jesus and rocked that boat pretty hard. It got Saul's attention, and he stepped out into a new existence as Paul, a committed disciple of the risen Christ. He would write to the fellowship of believers in the city of Corinth that, in Christ, we are new creations, the old life is gone. Everything has been made new. A spiritual death and resurrection has taken place even before physical death and resurrection. The choice to leave behind the life you have been leading before and embrace the new life offered to you in Christ, that makes all the difference in the way you will live out the life that has been entrusted to you while on this earth. In the end, whether you choose to trust in the relative safety of your boat or whether you place your trust in Jesus and step out with him, either way is going to lead to death eventually. But 
only one way leads to resurrection. Jesus is, as he told Lazarus's sister Martha, the resurrection and the life. The second thing I think we can take from this wonderful story is that the boat is not only just a boat, but it can also be seen as a metaphor for you. When Jesus invites Peter to step out of the boat, he was inviting him to step out of himself and all his preconceived notions, all his fear and doubt. When Jesus invites you to step out of that boat, what he's calling you to do is to step out of you. And that is a scary preposition. After all, what do we know better than ourselves? Our own fears, hang-ups, doubts. No wonder he prefaces his invitation with a formal introduction, I am, and a reassuring, fear not. In his adventure on the lake, Peter's struggles teach us a final and enduring lesson about the person and the nature of Jesus. Peter gets out of the boat at Jesus' command, but soon thereafter he finds himself, as my mother used to say, in deep water. Though it started off pretty well, it wasn't very long before he was struggling and in real trouble. Paul would experience the same thing, as after he stepped out of his boat, the previous converts to Jesus viewed him with suspicion and skepticism, and his previous colleagues in the Hebrew religious establishment saw him now as a traitor to the cause. Nearly two millennia later, Dietrich Bonhoeffer felt called to get out of his safe and comfortable boat as well, knowing that he was on the Nazi regime's naughty list of subversive Friends of his managed to get him an appointment at Union Seminary in New York, from where he could criticize the tamed theologians of the German state church from a safe distance. But his conscience and his sense of duty to his colleagues and his Lord caused him to leave New York and return to Germany. He stepped out of the boat, and walked to the gallows. But on his way, his work and witness, even while in the concentration camp, provided an enduring testament to a faith-filled and faithful life. The good Lord willing, we won't be called to such a sacrifice as his, nor as Peter's, nor as Paul's, but there are no guarantees for our safety. But what Jesus does guarantee is precisely that which he provided for Peter there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, his hand. When we get out of the boat, when we get out of ourselves, we don't step into a black hole, a vacuum. Jesus is there. Jesus 
has been there waiting. Jesus is there working to support us as needed and to save us as necessary. No matter how successful or unsuccessful we may seem to be walking on the waters of faith, Jesus is there to rescue us. As Peter would later find, and as both Paul and Bonhoeffer would also experience, this abiding presence of Jesus would not prevent hardships or even a martyr's death, but our precious Lord would be present with them, taking their hand, leading them home, as he will for us. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God, and Amen.